This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. This is the American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. This is Alex, joined as always by James. Hey, yo. And we are really excited to have Christian Polanco from the Cooligans on to join us. Christian, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I'm uh, I'm honored uh, to talk uh, to talk toffee anytime. Absolutely. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the Cooligans, your show on Fubu Fubo TV? Excuse me. No, it's all good. I, I people even at Fubo make the the Fubo mistake all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, I, I'm a stand-up comic, and, and myself and Alexis Guerreros, my co-host, uh, we do a comedic soccer show. Uh, it was a podcast that we started uh, in his kitchen, and now it is a television show on Fubo TV that airs uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays at eight o'clock. That is that is the elevator pitch. Give us a little bit. So, how long were you doing the podcast before you guys eventually got picked up? And I guess how long have you been doing stand-up comedy as well? I'm interested to yeah. how you sort of in, in your origins and following soccer and all those and a little bit of background on that. Yeah, uh, I started doing stand-up in 2008. And, uh, so it's about a, yeah, about almost 12 years. It's going to be 12 years this summer, uh, doing stand up. Wow. Uh, so that's been a lot of my life. And then, uh, but I was always into soccer. Um, FIFA, the video games got me into it. I remember of playing them. I, I was, I got really, really into it in uh, like PlayStation 2, like FIFA, you know, FIFA 90, PlayStation 1, like FIFA. Uh, World Cup 98, that, that edition that they had, and then PlayStation 2. FIFA 2001 was, I thought, the game that completely changed the almost like how I even saw the sport. Uh, so I was always into it. First soccer game I ever went to was Real Madrid against Roma. Uh, and I had I didn't know who any of the players were. This was like a, a friendly at, at Giant Stadium. And I got to see Zidane, uh, Roberto Carlos, uh, uh, Batistuta, all these legends, and I'm like, I don't know who I, I don't know who any of these guys are, but I I recognize them <laughs> vaguely from FIFA. Um, so then a couple of years, um, I you know I started going to MLS games, uh, and then NYCFC starts uh, 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 in 2015. Uh, I was already doing a lot of stand up, a lot of sketch stuff. Like my dream was always like to like write for the Daily Show, write on SNL, something like something along those lines. I loved uh, those kinds of shows. Uh, and I was already working on live stuff that was similar. Uh, and then Alexis was like, hey, I want to do something soccer related. There's an, uh, you know, a new MLS team that's starting in New York. You want to go, you want to go get tickets. You want to go see some games. Uh, and then that's kind of how it started. We were like, oh, we should probably do a podcast. Might be fun. Uh, and then we have not stopped since. So it's, it's basically, uh, about four, uh, about four years of doing the podcast. And then that's when it, it became a TV show. And that's what I call per- perseverance. James and I like to uh, pat ourselves on the back for going strong for like a year and a half now, but props to you because uh, it was really cool to see. And I guess it was probably what, like six months ago or so that y'all got the, the big Fubo TV deal, which is really exciting to see and a, a huge inspiration too. 
Uh, yeah, I'm glad. No, it, I think it's uh, it, it's a tough it's a tough job. It's a selfless job to start a soccer podcast, especially one that's focused on American fans because it's a. Uh, it's it's somewhat thankless, but the people who appreciate what you do really appreciate what you do. So that's that's kind of like uh, I, I see everyone as like peers, uh, and you know we caught a break and we got very lucky. But I mean, it, it wasn't an accident either, right? Like we we put in a lot of work into it, and I, I'm I'm certain the same will happen for you guys. We appreciate that a lot. Um, and to kind of segue into some of the, the Everton chatter, you're on record as being an Everton fan, I guess is probably your Premier League club. And I know probably Tim Howard had a lot to do with that. But can you talk about sort of what what uh, that journey looks like as far as choosing Everton? I, I think at first it was a, a, a thing where I just like a, a team name that I just started hearing over and over. Uh, and I didn't know much about them, but I did know that, that, they, that they had American players. And I'm like, okay, in the, you know, everybody has to kind of go through the, the um, kind of bachelor ceremony of picking their Premier <laughs> League club. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, everybody's going for the Liverpools. Everybody's going for Manchester United. And they just didn't feel right, right? Like, I'm a Knicks fan, uh, and I've, I've, I'm used to... Uh, being unhappy, uh, you know, for about eight, eight months of the year. Uh, so it, it didn't feel right to just go uh, with a team that was already being, uh, that was already very successful or whatever. Uh, but I, I don't know, Everton, just, they had a certain sensibility that was like, all right, I kind of like this blue collar kind of team. And then, then when I was like doing the research and the toffees and everything, I'm like, all right, this feels closer to uh, who I am as a person than. Uh, than than just getting on board with uh, uh, you know the Manchester United of the world. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, for me, I, I I I honestly at this point think I can speak for both James and I in saying that's pretty much exactly how it went for both of us, right? Yeah, I think I think a lot of American fans um, sort of identify with the club in a lot of ways. You know, I think there's obviously a lot of American fans who who lean towards the Liverpools and the and the Manchester Uniteds, although. Those poor, those poor sucker man United fans who got sucked in a little, little couple of years too early, and now have to kind of they bought a lemon reevaluate their life. They, they got a lemon. Yeah. Too bad for them. Hundred <laughs> percent. But I think, yeah, I do think there's a lot of identifying personally with the club and the history and and all of those good things, and that's what I think appeals to a lot of American fans that do end up identifying with Everton and supporting Everton. Um, but speaking of Everton, and let's get into the actual subject of the day. Um, we've had a week off, a weekend of rest and relaxation, I guess, or hopefully uh, thorough training. And we have a few news bits as well to uh, to chat about. We have, um, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, right. I'm like, my computer's like frozen, freezing. All right, I'll, I got the, I'll, I'll, I'm noting the time for edit. Okay, yeah, hold on one sec. All right. We should try to get to notes here. And this is why we have post-production. All right. So the subject of the day, Everton, we've got some news bits to get through. First things first, we had an outgoing transfer. We have Anthony Evans departing for the Bundesliga. SC Paderborn, he signs a permanent deal. Not too much to be said about it. Just another youth player who I don't think was quite going to break through into the ranks, but was worth mentioning that he has departed on a permanent basis. Uh, I don't know if Alex or... Uh, Christian, you guys have anything to add on that? 
I, yeah, I don't know much about him. Uh, I, I, I know more about Paderborn than I do know about Anthony Evans, but I think um, the uh, he, he is a what, – what position does he play? Is he a midfielder? Yeah, he's attacking midfielder. And yeah. uh, uh, Kyrie Shelton just left Paderborn uh, to go back to Sporting Kansas City. And Kyrie Shelton played for NYCFC and, uh, and Sporting Kansas City. And then he, gave, he, you know, he, he took a shot in Bundesliga 2 – and it didn't work out. So, uh, so I, I think it can only get better because he's not, uh, he wasn't too great, uh, at Paderborn. So hopefully, uh, you know, a, a, a Premier League prospect, uh, will, will, will do better there. Yeah. I mean, not kind of with both of you, right? Uh, from what I understand, he made like 70 appearances for Everton U23. So I think at this point, he was one of those players in which, you know, and, and furthermore on record, he never made, um, a start for Everton's first team or an, an appearance, excuse me. So kind of one of those players that's been on the fringe of the Everton U23 setup, kind of fans complaining about how we have some of the older players that we feel like are never going to make an impact, but they're just kind of taking up space and, and possible experience from younger players. Um, so positive move for him. I mean, kind of crazy. It's to a Bundesliga club uh, like Paderborn, right? Even though he never even made an appearance for Everton, but nonetheless, uh, you know, good news all around. And, and good luck to him for sure. Yeah, well, I, I was at the, uh, I was in Germany just a couple uh, months ago, to, to, and I saw two Bundesliga matches. Um, some I saw Bayern and like Eintracht Frankfurt, and then uh, Cologne Dusseldorf. But the teams, like at the the bottom, like six teams in Bundesliga, are basically the the qual. The, I took, in my opinion, the level is is at the U23 Everton level. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's a match yeah. down there. So the, the top, like, couple teams are very good. I think are, the Champions League teams are definitely great. But the bottom ones, they're, they're just fighting for their lives to, to either be relevant in Bundesliga or just stay in Bundesliga and not drop to Bundesliga too. Yeah, it's a very top-heavy league. And I think you can say a lot about the, the Premier League table this season, how close and tight it is. But I do think, you know, all of the TV money has has created a little bit more parity than you see in a lot of the other European leagues, for sure. I think the Bundesliga is a good example of that, even though they're kind of trying to to emulate the Premier League's uh, global reach. But um, moving on, some exciting news for the first team. We have official confirmed TV footage. Believe it or not, Andre Gomez, after his horror, horror injury back in November, has returned to first team training, albeit in a limited capacity. But Gomez is back. Uh, I think everyone is kind of taken aback by how how quickly the turnaround is, how quickly his rehab has gone. Um, obviously, only can mean good things for Everton as we're basically threadbare in midfield at the moment. But really exciting to actually see like video footage of him doing uh, hopping over cones and, and doing a little bit of ball work. So really, really good stuff from Andre Gomez. Yes, we could actually very much use him in the midfield. Well, I mean, all the time, right? He's a he's a really exciting player. I know we were all really happy to secure him over the summer permanently, and he seemed excited about it too. And and that kind of happened. Um, I don't I don't remember the exact medical term, but I remember shortly after it happened, it kind of came came out, and I want to say they called it uh, a dislocation. It, it was a long explanation. I, I called it. So, I called it. God damn! What happened to his ankle? That's what I called it. I don't know what you. Did y'all okay? Did y'all see the Did y'all see the slow mo of like the two ladies in the background in the stands, like right behind it? Oh no, yeah. I didn't see that. that Their okay. reactions were like insane. Uh, anyway, <laughs> nonetheless, um, it's super exciting to see Andre back. 
Obviously, it's it's going to be, I would assume, a decent while before he gets back up and running. And then, um, nonetheless, I'm not sure that we could expect him to to start playing yeah. flawlessly when he does return. But either way, it's super, it's, it's a really nice feeling. It, it was definitely, uh, I think, devastating. Obviously, a devastating injury. And I was sad to see Andre Gomez gone. But I, to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of Andre Gomez. I don't know how you guys feel. Um I, I think he is, um, so when he, he seems like a, a, a solid dude. So he's like a big guy, can definitely hold up the ball. He, it's like a, he's like a forward that, that does hold up play, but in the midfield, right? And I, I feel like his attacking, he, he's not enough of an attacking threat, in my opinion. Uh, and I get frustrated. I get frustrated with Everton's midfield in general, because I feel like there's not too much chemistry, but I, I don't. I feel like he's not the answer, but that's that's my opinion. Yeah, no, I think I think you voice a lot of valid concerns that I think elsewhere in the fan base and even us at times have have considered. I think certainly doesn't offer a lot of goals, and you can say that for our midfield as a whole, not a whole lot of uh, goal creation or yeah, goals or even assists really coming from the midfield. It seems to all be our forwards, but I still think that if he's in our first team, um, he's an improvement over all of our current midfielders for the most part. Um, and, and, and I think the sooner he gets back, the better off we'll be if we are intending to push for the top six, whether he's, you know, the long term option that gets us competing even for close to the Champions League or for the Europa League. I, I think there's valid questions about whether he's capable of that. But is he an upgrade on our current options? I think that's kind of a no brainer. Sure. Uh, I, I, it's wild. Yes. It, it's made me the last like two years. I never thought I would ever say this, but it, it's made me miss Ross Barkley. Sparkly, I feel like mm. he, he was just fast. He, um, yeah, he made a ton of mistakes, but he he was just out for goal, and he had a good relationship with with Lukaku. And but man, I miss that guy. I mean, he, look, he's not playing at Chelsea. I'm like, I don't know. I wouldn't be angry if he came back. To be honest, Ooh. I think half Christian, the you're coming over here with a lot of hot takes. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of hot takes in like a three hey, minute span. <laughs> I got I got more coming. Hey, I reflect it though. <laughs> Speaking of forwards. I'm assuming most people saw the quote-unquote news, or as James has in all caps on the spreadsheet, fake news, <laughs> that Sky Sports suggests Everton rejected a um, 100 million euro bid for Charleston from uh, Barcelona that comes down to about 85 million pounds. Um, I think it's pretty much been uh, understood that that was not necessarily true. Uh, Patty Boyland, our friend from The Athletic, did tweet that multiple sources on both sides of the table, Everton and Barcelona, kind of suggest that there was no bid placed. But how do you two feel about just the suggestion, you know, if that were to be a real scenario and, and we really rejected 100 million euros, 85 million pounds for Richarlison, do you think that's the right move? Or do you think that that, you know, maybe we should be snapping their hand off? Uh, my opinion is, uh, a hundred million is too much uh, to, to reject. Uh, I don't think, uh, Everton, I don't think Everton in a place to reject that kind of money, especially because it seems like the ambitions are not really, I don't think a Europa League is, uh, is possible. Uh, I don't think relegation is also possible. So I would say why not take it? I would definitely, as Everton currently is, I would definitely miss Richarlison. He's like uh, him and I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin are the more most fun players to watch right now on the team. Uh, so it would hurt, but you would hope that, or at least you would think that Carlo Ancelotti has a, another plan. Uh, and, and it does seem like players do want to go play for him. 
So I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have been surprised if this was real and he also was sold. Uh, so it's there's a question of whether it's real and if it is real, whether it would be a good good business. I don't think it's real. I think Sky Sports is desperate to to drum up some drama before deadline day so that they can get more views uh, on TV and generate more revenue for themselves and also, you know, the bets and all of that stuff. Uh, furthermore, I've seen reports that Barcelona are currently struggling to balance their books. So there's a question of whether they even have that kind of money to, to throw around and at face value. Yeah. A hundred million is a ridiculous amount of money for a player. I mean, he's our best player, but I think in the context of right now of the January window, where we have now what two days left till the window closes, he's by far our best player, probably our most valuable asset at the moment. He's 22 years old. He's I think I saw he's got like the the most goals of any player under 22 or close to the most goals of any player under 22 in Europe's top five leagues. Um, he just signed a new contract with us. I, I don't know if there's a buyout clause in there. My guess is that there's probably not. And my suspicion is that when we brought on Carlo Ancelotti, one of the big caveats of him signing was that he was going to be able to retain the talent that he had and then build on it. So I, I just think that with two days left in the window, if you let him go, we're only seven points off the bottom. No, I, I agree with you, Christian, where relegation is not a real possibility. But we saw what happened when Lukaku left, and we're still trying to rebuild from losing a player of that caliber. And I think you would see similar repercussions should Richarlison leave. Um, though we do have a decent amount of depth on the left wing, I think he just is so much more dynamic than anyone else we have. And I think we will eventually sell him for at least $100 million. That That might be the Homer in me talking. I don't know. But I do think that at his age and with his his output that he's demonstrated to that he can do in within you know the Premier League um he will go to one of the top teams in Europe and he will go for over 100 million it's just not going to be this month and I don't think it will be in the summer either I think we'll plan to hold on to him for probably another year he'll be 23 24 years old and we'll sell him for I I think I still think we can triple our investment in him I think he's that good a player um whether everyone else feels that way clearly neutral fans think that we're deluded for not <laughs> not accepting the bid but i think that i think that just the the context of the offer with the timeline and everything just doesn't really make sense for us yeah um I, that's just that's just my take on it I, i'll just say i also do not think that richardson is a barcelona player I, and and this the, obviously the the the, the style of play and the system that where he's played at Everton, even when even at Watford, I, 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 it, that's why the story seems uh, less believable. Cause I'm like, why would Barcelona want Richarlison to begin with? Uh, obviously they think they can shape him to kind of fit the system. But as, as I see right now, I, he would, I think he would be lost in Barcelona and not, know, not know exactly what to do. So uh, uh, I think, the, the, there's clearly a ton of potential and he's I, again he's such a fun player uh to watch but watching him at everton it's like the the certain the, the decisions he makes um the 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 the, the character the kind of uh, um just kind of wherewithal doesn't feel like it would translate very well to barcelona as he is right now i agree with both you actually i'm i and, and you know what i understand i feel like i understand and i agree with both sides also right like that's a stupid amount of money um, I, I want to say we sold Lukaku for like 75 yeah. to Man United. So it's a dumb amount of money. Uh, but at the same time, Charleston's very good, very young. He can seemingly do it all. Uh, he, I agree. He would definitely not fit in at Barcelona in terms of style of play. And, and we do know it's, I think very, uh, well recorded that 
you know, better players than him have gone and, and, and tried and failed. Yeah. That's a cool. We do have a, a nice relationship with Barcelona where we, we take the scraps, you know, we just, <laughs> yeah, that is very true. Give, give us whatever you have left. We'll take it. So speaking of scraps, let's hop into this, uh, Tom Cleverly Darby preview. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, or <laughs> conversely, <laughs> yeah, conversely, the Dale Lefeu or the Richarlison Darby. Yeah. So nonetheless, we've got Watford away at Vicarage Road this weekend. Uh, Watford sit in 19th in the table. I want to say it was all the way into November or December before they even got their first win, or maybe they were on one win at that point. Yeah. And so... They were in very, very, very bad form. Terrible start to the season. But they've kind of bounced back recently. And in the last six Premier League matches, they have three wins, two draws, and a loss. Their their loss being their uh, last match, which was against Aston Villa. And Aston Villa won it in the 95th minute, uh, two to one. Um, Generally speaking, though, they've been averaging less than one goal per match scored, yet they're conceding about one and a half. Obviously, those stats are not exactly jumping off the page based on um, their position in the table and and their performances thus far. But nonetheless, um, definitely one of the quote-unquote lower sides that we're playing against. Although, knowing Everton, right, uh, we don't always perform the best against some of the lower, lower quote-unquote, lower uh, league sides. So, Christian... Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we blocked that out. We blocked that out of our memory. <laughs> I was about to say, Christian, you first. Please tell us how you're feeling leading into the match, but I think you just did. <laughs> uh, look, I, I think since Ancelotti got there, I've been, uh, at the very least, less pessimistic. I mean, that, that Newcastle result was just, I mean, comical. Uh, I, I, I get frustrated, and I, and I won't. This is why, I, now I also add to the list of teams I despise. Newcastle now on there, but before that, it was also Bournemouth. Because of the game, I think it was like in 2016, where uh, we were up, uh, we scored in, uh, in stoppage time. Uh, Ross Barkley runs into uh, the, the Everton supporters. Uh, and, and because of that, uh, the ref adds an extra minute because he chose to celebrate with, with the supporters. And then Bournemouth scores in that time that was added because he celebrated for too long. So, uh, so look. I'm, I've gotten to a place where I'm a little bit like, oh, okay, I don't expect Everton to lose, especially against uh, the, the weaker, quote-unquote, weaker team. Um, but I, I think this is going to be a, a tough game overall. Watford, yeah, like you said, they, they took a, a, a long time to get in stride, but they, they've had some big uh, wins uh, the, last couple, the last couple weeks. I think they're, they're in a, a place of more urgency. Um, and I don't necessarily think uh, Everton is going to win this game easily. I, I I honestly think well the best we could get is a is a draw. It's tough because our first of all our away form has been absolutely terrible for the most part. Ancelotti's come in and he's gotten some some results that frankly we should be getting against teams that we should be beating. Um, he hasn't really done anything spectacular just yet. Of course, still very very early days for that, but. Watford, I think we're looking at a different team than I don't I don't think they're frankly, I never thought that they were going to be in a relegation battle this season based on the talent they that they brought in. Uh the bottom just kind of fell out from the get-go at, at the start of the season, and they just weren't able to recover. They're on their third manager now. Nigel Pearson has come in and he seems to have sort of steadied the ship. They were rock bottom by quite a bit 
I think at one point they were like six or seven points adrift at the bottom. Now they're in 19th. They're actually even with West Ham and Bournemouth on points. So uh, only behind like on goal difference. So they're they're they have a really good chance of staying up if they can maintain the form that they've shown under Pearson. And again, going away, we're not great. So I'm not feeling super confident. Of course, how could you after having to suffer through the Newcastle debacle two weeks ago? But I also think that depending on how healthy we are in the lineup that we put out, that with a couple weeks to work with the squad, Carlo may have started to uh, communicate some of his ideas a little bit better, his tactical strategy for going about this match. Um, I think that we can get three points, but I, I'd be happy with one point, frankly, going to Vicarage Road. Yeah, so to to give a little bit more background on Watford, um, they've been lining up in like a 4-5-1 formation, although, you know, as, as we usually know, in defense and in attack, that, you know, calling something a formation is, is usually a little bit fluid. Against Villa in their last matchup, they did press pretty high on the defense. I'm assuming at home, they're probably going to do the same thing. They use... Troy Deeney can't stand him as a target man, right? So he'll hold the ball up and then they've got a decent amount of pace in behind from players like none other than uh, Jerry De La Feu, Pereira. They've got Ismail Asar, although I'm going to say he's uh, highly doubtful for the weekend. So it's going to be a test. I think that they're going to be dangerous and they're going to create chances. You know, whether they're inconsistent or not is a different story, but they are at home and, and as you said, our away form is kind of garbage. So my first question based on Everton is, you know, do we think that we're going to see ourselves line up in a 4-4-2 that we've been lining up since Carlo came? I, I would expect that. Um, I, I mean, I, I really think that, you know, I mean, there's a couple questions uh, as far as like, uh, you know, also who's going to play? Like, is, is Moise Keane going to keep that, uh, uh, you know, optimism and form, especially after seeing him score? And how, I mean, it really did feel like it was like a, a weight off of his back. And, and he, he, he celebrated, you know, uh, very intensely. Um, yes. That was the hardest whoa I've ever seen. Exactly. <laughs> that was an aggressive whoa. Uh, it was the hardest one I've ever seen. So um, I, 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 more than anything, I'm always just conf- con- uh, um, concerned about offensively. It's just like, like, Kind of like what you were saying before about the, you know, the midfield really connecting uh, with with our forwards. Um, Moise Keane has been a little disappointing because he feels like it feels like he's not playing the same. He's not playing with the same tactics as every other player. Or I don't know exactly what's being asked of him, um, but it, it seems to be a little bit um, a panic. Every touch seems a little uh, rushed. Uh, you know, he maybe he's trying too hard to. Uh, prove himself, um, but there's a certain level of comfort that you that you know you see it with Calvert Lewin, you see it uh, with, with Charlison uh, to some degree. But that that linking up all like kind of those three guys has been incredibly challenging so far. So that's my my main worry. Like what's happening up front? Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. Where Moise Keane, well, for, first of all, I mean, just his adjustment period to the Premier League from Syria, I think. Maybe part of him in the back of his brain still thinks he's being fed by the Juventus midfield and not Tom Davis and Fabian Delph. Yeah. So he might be like anticipating certain runs that and, and balls forward that just aren't those two players aren't capable of, of putting through. But at the same time, I think that he's had he's had to come to terms with some of the phys- physical aspects of the game that are a little bit different in England. Um, obviously, I agree that the the goal against Newcastle, unfortunately, it was of course meaningless in the end as we weren't able to pull out the win. But 
I think that will do a lot for his confidence. And, and I'd be surprised if he didn't get another nod uh, in the starting 11. Calvert-Lewin will definitely start. And hopefully we can some. And the, the real question is, if Richarlison is fit, how does he sort of fit into the lineup? Does, does Moise Keane make way for Richarlison? Do you put Richarlison out on the left in the left mid position and maybe leave Bernard out? Um, it's it's going to be tricky for Carlo to sort of manage the or it'd be interesting to see the adjustments he makes as the squad gets fitter and fitter. Um, but I do think that you know Fabian Delph will probably start alongside Tom Davis in midfield. Gilfie Sigurdsson. We're, we'll find out tomorrow whether whether uh, he'll be able to return from his injury. But yeah, I mean that midfield doesn't exactly inspire a whole lot of confidence, and it doesn't make me super optimistic that we're going to be able to to put a lot of goals in the back of the net. But I do think that Calvert-Lewin and Keane against Newcastle showed a bit more understand, understanding between the two of them than we've seen that we've then we've seen uh, up to this point. So for for that to continue to develop that relationship and that chemistry, I, I'm hopeful. And I also think if Bernard does play, uh, him and Dean linking up on the left hand side will give us a bit more offensive uh, firepower. You're both so you're both 100 percent correct. Christian, to your point about goals, right? Uh, you know, I mentioned Aston Villa were, I mean, excuse me, Watford were averaging less than a goal scored per match. Um, Everton are barely at a goal scored per match on average throughout the Premier League season this year. Uh, we know that Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin are the main culprits uh, for scoring, which with eight or nine apiece, um, which is nice. Uh, you know, now, James, to your point, the nice thing about Richarlison he is he's like one of the most... Uh, tactically flexible players that we have. We've literally seen him play across all three positions on the front line. Um, and so with that, you know, obviously, in my opinion, the left-hand side is his strongest position. He's still able to play, you know, even obviously up top as he calls himself a striker. And then on the right-hand side where we've seen um, quite a few times also when Theo Walcott was was out of form. So I think, I well, no, let me rephrase this. I know that if he's fit, he's going to be worked into the lineup. Um, the question is, as we all said, kind of when, but I am really hopeful and, and, you know, to, you know, bringing up the Newcastle match, right. Uh, James and I, we, we talked about it during the, uh, match review over the weekend, but you know, that performance, the 90 minutes, the first 90 minutes of the match against Newcastle were, were fantastic. That was, that, that was a, a really, really great performance from us. I love the passion, the enthusiasm, the work rate. Moise Keane looked really good. Obviously, Dominic Calvert-Lewin did too. I felt like we had a lot of good um, connection. And you can tell that they were really upping the tempo in their passing play, which Carlo mentioned, you know, leading up to that match. And so, in my opinion, although mentally we switched off and we really messed up that match, I don't see why we shouldn't be looking forward to, you know, another good performance, even though we're away from home after... You know, we do have a full week of training, as you mentioned earlier, James, like with Carlo and, and we're getting back a couple of players from inj- injury, hopefully. And so I think, honestly, I, I'm, I'm kind of poised for a, a solid performance, especially if we're playing that 4-4-2. I think two strikers are, are going to give them pretty big headaches on their back line, especially since they've got quite a few injuries as well. I think overall, it's like uh, what I get the sense of, I think what we're all sort of saying is that Everton is just like a team of underachievers, right? Like, I think the expectation is so mm-hmm. high and the clear, clearly the the amount of uh, investment, the, the, the money put into the quality of the players. Like, if you see these players on paper, you would never think that they would either be sitting where they are on the table or getting, uh, you know, having these heartbreaking uh, results because the players are good. This is a good team. Um, they're getting a new stadium. 
they they have nothing there's nothing that they can say that 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 they're not being um like the resources that are missing uh for them they should be doing better and it's it's i think for a long time people uh the last like i don't know decade it feels like that everton fans have somewhat been okay with with kind of where where they've been um you know, I, I can't necessarily say I can't speak for an entire fan base. I haven't even been an Everton fan that long, but it does feel like um, w- with the, the the quality of players that are are there, uh, I, I think people are too okay with um, w- with where they how they play and where where they are in the table. You you, you don't see as much as much outrage um, it, uh, online on Twitter or whatever about what what Everton is doing uh, and what and and kind of the poor results that you get i think a lot of times people are just like oh i'm just i love this club and uh, i'm a blue and a toffee you know every all that stuff and it's like and it's okay to be mad at them man they're they're really they should be doing better so that's like a a big frustration i guess sometimes where people i feel like they don't get criticized enough at least by american fans i don't i don't feel that enough uh from from the toffees state side yeah, that's actually a really good point that you hit on because, uh, you know, on Twitter, we do follow a lot of American blues. We follow a lot of blues on the other side of the pond. And there's a clear disparity between how optimistic American fans are versus the uh, there are British counterparts where they have now suffered through decades of mediocrity and underachievement. And so anytime we remotely underperform in a match, there is a just waterfall of fume from the British, our, our British <laughs> friends, just very frustrated, fed up. They're like, why did, why, why was I cursed with this, with this evil, evil club? Yeah. Why did my, there was the great tweet that went around, like, why did my dad, uh, I hate my dad for making me an Everton <laughs> fan. It was, it was top stuff. It's like, but, but I do think Americans, you know, having not had to suffer through literal decades of underperformance, and we do see kind of the trajectory and the plan in place, especially in more recent years. It's easier to like look at the long term and not focus on maybe individual results. So no, I, I don't think I think we are more inclined as USA-based toffees to look on the bright side. And I think that's maybe why like British people tend to enjoy listening to our show because we're not always so uh, pessimistic about everything that's going on around the uh, club. I want to. <laughs> okay, James. Well, ending on that note, I'm going to make you do your 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 uh, score prediction first because you just claim that uh, we're usually more optimistic. So let's hear it. What is your uh, score prediction to wrap it up for our match against Watford at Vicarage Road? Well, as you know, Alex, I generally serve as the Debbie Downer of the score prediction segment. I do know. <laughs> and I did predict a win against Newcastle and that backfired. And then I had predicted a couple losses uh, leading up to that. And those those ended up being positive results. So I'm not going to predict a loss, but I will predict a 2-2 draw. And I think that it's going to be, I think that we'll, I think we might come from behind. I think we might go down 2-1 and then come back to level it late uh, to pick up a point away. All right, Christian, I know you said earlier in the episode you were you were expecting a draw. Are you going to stick with that? And if so, what would be your, your score line? Uh, I think uh, best case scenario, 1-1. Uh, I think both both these teams are gonna have a tough time scoring. Um, but yeah, one one feels like a, a a fair result, a nice predictable. Uh, let me not get my hopes up. Result for Everton Football Club. <laughs> very fair, very fair from both of you. And actually, you know, to that point, I, I agree. I think it's gonna be 
I think it's going to be hard for both teams to kind of get into a rhythm. You know, one of those matches we kind of get super frustrated with. Uh, so with that, then uh, for the final score prediction, I'll I'll be the optimistic one. I I I do think that we'll concede, but I think that we'll we'll kind of hammer out a win at the end. So I'm going to call it a two-one Everton victory. Either way, Christian, we really appreciate you joining us for the show tonight. Uh, thanks so much uh, for having me on. I appreciate you guys, and uh, yeah, just uh, we yeah we need more toffees out there. So uh, I'll make sure to share this uh, share this around. Absolutely. So. We will have all of the links in the description as well as uh, on the Twitter post, but you can find Christian at Chris Polanco. And then obviously his show is at Soccer Cooligans. Again, that'll be in the description and on Twitter. Otherwise, see you after the match on the weekend and up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg/atp and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.